This is UCD Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. And each week, we'll be joined by world-renowned academics from across the College of Business, as well as industry leaders, to discuss the most compelling business issues facing Ireland and the world. Our experts each week will offer insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, financial editor and journalist and lecturer at UCD College of Business. Now, you're welcome back to Business Impact. It's a new year and a new podcast. We are actually in season two. Let me just orientate you. And this is episode eight. As you'll all know, of those of you who are regular listeners and downloaders, we brought this whole innovative podcast project into being at the start of the pandemic. And here we are in January, the second January we've done. I'm glad you're listening. It's been a tough New Year period, I know, for a lot of you. Some people were close contacts. Some people were got infected. Other people just locked themselves up and shut themselves up for the Christmas and New Year period to get through it. So I know it has been a few difficult weeks, but we're really delighted to be able to, to get underway and get the New Year started with a fresh podcast. And we'll be covering a whole range of material in the year ahead. There's a real variety in there coming down the track. So stick with us. We'll probably touch on a sector or an issue are a phenomenon that you're interested in as we move along. Now, as the new year gets underway, we're halfway through January at the time of recording, I suppose I'd like to think of a little bit of, well, what's the scariest email you could get at the moment, okay? Is it your car insurance quote, credit card statement after a bit of a splurge over the Christmas period? Is it possibly a positive COVID PCR test result? What's the worst thing when you flip open your laptop that you get? Well, for many people, it will be the energy bill as energy inflation rages throughout the world. It's a global phenomenon. Ireland is no exception. And I know a lot of people who've corresponded with me are really, really worried about what that next bill and the one after that and the one after that are going to look like because we are in a, a whole new era, a whole new epoch in terms of energy supply, reliability and what the whole infrastructure here in Ireland is going to look like over the next few years. And my guest, a UCD graduate to boot, is going to be talking about some of those issues today on Business Impact. And she is Claire Neenan. She's the Managing Director of SSE Airtricity. And we're going to have a very interesting conversation for the next half hour about her career, SSE's work in Ireland and elsewhere, and also about the energy market, which seems to be, at the moment, the one sector of the economy that everyone is getting interested in. We kind of lost a little bit of track of it in the 90s and in the noughties because prices were so low, they were moderate. And as things have raged back into life again, it is the sector that people are now coming to focus upon. So, Claire, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emmett. I'm delighted to be here. Good. It's going to be an interesting conversation. We've a lot to get through. Um, what I normally do this with our guests is we talk a little bit about themselves, their company, their own interests, some future predictions, a bit of crystal ball gazing. But before we get into any of that, I did mention very briefly, you are a UCD graduate. Uh, we do have a lot of UCD students, both uh, current and former, who listen in. So tell us a little bit about yourself, when you left UCD and how your career has been progressing since then. I studied economics uh, when I was in UCD many moons ago. And really what drew me to that degree was in secondary school, when, when we did business studies and economics, it was something that I really liked. But I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do career-wise, so I thought it was a good degree to, to choose at the time. And once I left UCD, I started off working in financial services, in banking, in investment companies, started out in customer service. And I always think that's something that really stands to you if one of your first jobs is working together as a team, ultimately, to support customers. And I've worked in a variety of other roles prior to my role in SSE or Tristy, whether it was leading teams, program management, working in a startup. And I joined SSE or Tristy in 2009 
actually at a time when the economy was really suffering from the effects of the economic recession. I joined IT at the time, which was an area I had never worked in before. You know, I'd worked in financial services before on the business side of things, but I really enjoyed working in IT and I got a huge amount of opportunity from it. And if you look at things now, obviously technology and digital are key enablers from any business or consumer perspective. So I'm really glad that that's the path that I went down. And now um, I'm lucky enough to be leading the team in SSE or Tristy since 2019. And Claire, I know certainly from covering energy companies over the years, a traditional photo shoot is a load of men standing around in hard hats <laughs> and pointing up at a power station, a set of stacks probably a long time ago, and possibly wind turbines in more recent decades. But it's been always a very engineer-led type of industry. You mentioned you did financial services. How unusual is your background in today's energy sector or is that becoming less unusual uh, uh, having that sort of background? That's something I would get asked about quite a lot. And I think for me personally, it has always been about being able to be myself, no matter what sector or you know part of an organization that, that I worked in. Definitely my path might be a little bit different, but what I'm finding actually, a lot of people in leadership roles or in management roles, or just even working in the energy industry, the level of diversity is increasing year on year, which I think is brilliant. You know, what stood to me in my career was having a strong set of values, which really helps in terms of navigating your own path. That and, of course, hard work, curiosity and an open mindset really are things that have helped me. I think the energy sector has made a huge amount of progress in recent years. Definitely, there's far more that we need to do. But companies like SSE are making real commitments to improving diversity and inclusion. And for me, SSE has been incredibly supportive of my career journey. Now, we don't have anywhere near enough uh, women in senior roles, particularly in managing director grade roles. Irish business is definitely behind there. And what do you put that down to? And do you see, just from talking to other people and counterparts in other companies and so on, do you see a real change there from, from your vantage point? It is a really difficult question to answer when you ask the question, why? You know, I've got a daughter and a son and... What I want both of them to see is that whether, you know, it's their mommy or their daddy, we're going after our own dreams and goals. And it doesn't actually matter what your background is, where you come from, you know, et cetera. So I think the more role models that we have, hopefully that will encourage more women and more diversity right across business in Ireland and, you know, in, in all sectors, really. And I do think it's about having positive role models that you can see that you know, there isn't one answer. We're all doing our best. We're all human. But I think it is about showing that example in practice. Well, we, we'll keep an eye on it because energy, it certainly was one of those sectors that was a bit of a laggard. So your, your arrival is definitely worth noting in itself. One of the things I, I've been asking and talking to students about recently is energy. And a lot of them have been saying to me, you know, what, what do I need to read to understand today's economy or, or is there a particular period I should look at? And I'm saying, look, <laughs> get out all the books and textbooks about the 1970s, about the oil price crisis, OPEC, um, you know, even the coal crisis, the miners strike of the 80s, all these sort of um, backdrops, historical backdrops about energy are really relevant. We have inflation back at over 5% year on year. We have sky high energy prices. It just has that sort of 1970s feel all we need now is a prolonged period of industrial relations and we'll have the three three parts of the stool. Um, so what what do you think is going on, Claire? I mean, you're, you're reasonably new into that particular role, but you have been in energy a few years now. And I, I'm asking you to condense down big global developments and so on. But 
what what has happened in energy that suddenly we we have problems both in security of supply, which is one part of energy, but also we have quite expensive energy as well, at least compared to many years where it seemed to be almost like interest rates. It just wasn't noticed. It wasn't something that anyone particularly commented on. And suddenly it seems during COVID, this whole issue has percolated into our consciousness afresh again of high energy prices. Where do we get our energy? Is there anything that you can sort of put your finger and say, I think that's what's happened or is COVID in that mix or what, what do you put all of this down to? I think there's a number of factors really that I would touch off. I mean, as you say, climate change in particular in the last couple of years has really gained focus. And, and and I do think the pandemic has, I suppose, reminded everybody that we're all in it together when there is a global crisis. And the reality is that climate change is at that level. We obviously were a principal partner of COP26 last year. And I think that was a huge moment in time where it, it, it was all about, you know, the world coming together to agree key policy decisions, key commitments that were tangible and measurable. And I think when you talk about security of supply, obviously security of supply and the management of the electricity system is really a matter for air grid. But what the security of supply issues do highlight is the need for rapid deployment of renewables, and it is only increasing. Renewables can help with the security of supply, offshore wind in particular can help, but, but we do need to see action. The reality is that we're not transitioning fast enough, and, and unfortunately, we are seeing timelines slip against, against a backdrop of increasing targets. From SSE Electricity's perspective, all of our electricity comes from 100% renewable sources, such as our 28 onshore wind farms, including Galway Wind Park, which is actually Ireland's largest onshore wind farm. We've no concerns regarding our ability to contract and source enough energy generation to meet the demands of our customer base. But the reality is that accelerated development of more renewable capacity in Ireland is the best option to meet demand and help meet our long-term security of supply challenges. I think when you talk about what's happening globally in terms of energy prices, as you know, electricity prices fluctuate due to movements in the wholesale energy market, networks charges, which are passed on to customers and levies and taxes, which are determined by the government and the regulator. Right now, wholesale prices are impacting at a global scale. And the impacts that we're seeing in Ireland are similar in many countries. If you think about what you know, the pandemic has done in terms of gas storage levels across Europe, they're depleted at the moment. And as countries reopened from the earlier lockdowns of the pandemic, the demand on energy resources has gone right up across Asia, America and the EU. So increased demand with a limited supply, unfortunately, will always result in higher cost. And energy affordability is really important and competition in the market is what helps to make things more favourable for customers. So I think, you know, from an SSE electricity point of view, we do everything within our control to keep our prices down. And we have a longstanding commitment to working with our customers if they're finding it tough or need help. What's the most important thing here is that we focus on the solutions to address this issue. And ultimately, that ties back to ensuring that we have other sources of energy like renewable energy in place. And I've identified, uh, certainly on this podcast, we've had a few people talk to us before on energy. Uh, no, nobody quite as close to the uh, coal face, no pun intended, as yourself. <laughs> but definitely we've had a few different people coming from a climate change point of view. Um, we had Paul O'Connor recently talking about heat pumps in, in the um, home and, and what they might do. And we'll come on in a few minutes because I'd love to hear your thoughts on maybe a few tips for our listeners about what's way to make their bills a little bit lower 
and get their, their households a bit more efficient. But we, we'll, we'll come on to that. But I think it's important for our listeners' benefit just to go through briefly what electricity does in Ireland and elsewhere, because we hear all these names, you know, there's renewable, there's solar, there's all sorts of different energy sources. But you want to just talk us through the company and its main energy activities? SSE is one of Ireland's largest energy utilities and a FTSE 40 company. So we develop, own and operate the low carbon infrastructure needed to support the transition to a net zero carbon future. So we've got 28 wind farms in Ireland, totaling 890 megawatts across the island of Ireland. So that offsets over 700,000 tonnes in carbon emissions on an annual basis. We supply over 700,000 customers with green electricity and natural gas as well as providing energy efficiency services and rooftop solar installations. Uh, we employ 1,000 people as a living wage employer, and we're a really proud recipient of the business working responsibly and fair tax marks. And we provide over 1.5 million euro annually in community funds. So we're constantly innovating and bringing new products and services to the market, including retrofitting products, EV products, and other services. So it's a really interesting time to work in an amazing company. Yeah, because I, I'm old enough and I'm going to date myself uh, grievously here, but I, I remember when the company first appeared on the scene with Eddie O'Connor, who's a very well-known energy entrepreneur. Obviously, SSE, which is a, a Scottish utility, has come in and taken over that earlier business. So it's been a long journey, and I know you've been kind of watching it in more recent years. Um, you've obviously got big infrastructure in place in the wind side, and I'm always kind of slightly confused about this in the sense that when wind first came along, it was very much embraced very, very fulsomely by, I think, most people at a community level in Ireland. Um, I think governmentally it was very welcomed. You do seem to hear, uh, maybe it's just me, I'm looking in the wrong places, but you do seem to hear a lot more opposition to local wind farm developments. You've mentioned offshore as well. I mean, are you picking up that yourself or are you finding that some of the projects you're involved, there's a little bit more local opposition to them? Or, or do you think it's just part of a wider trend of just big infrastructure? There's always sort of almost professional objectors as they're sometimes dismissed as. Is it something that it will hold your company back that Ireland might not be an ideal location always for new, fresh capacity in the wind sector in particular? The renewables part of the group is very, very excited about all of the opportunity in Ireland. I mean, I can't speak for other developers, obviously, but SSE has a strong track record in delivering sustainable developments. And we're always fully engaged with the local communities in which we operate. And I think that's a key part to this conversation. It's about ensuring that proposals that we have take proper account of the impact on the landscape and seascape. It, you know, it's a really critical part of sustainable development. But if I give you one example, Bowie Wind Park, which I mentioned earlier, so that's much more than a wind farm. So it is actually an amazing place to go and visit. So the public, um, you know, is really, really welcome. We have developed that windway um, with the community. So it consists of 47 kilometres of marked walking and cycling trails. It is designated for wheelchair and, and buggies and so on. And we have a um, SSC Renewables Community Fund. And that really allows those communities that are located close to our wind farms to apply for financial support to improve local services and amenities. So, for example, schools have benefited through funding for technology or energy efficient upgrades, heating upgrades and improved windows and doors, which really help retain heat in the classroom. So there are a huge amount of opportunity for the local communities. And from our perspective, it is about engaging and working together. I mean, uh, the, the the different ones, I suppose, onshore and offshore, there, there's different dynamics going on for each one. I know you, you guys are particularly looking at offshore. Can you give us some idea that the challenges, obviously, from an engineering point of view, I'm only presuming they're 
much, much larger. But can you give us an, an understanding of what's the potential Ireland and island nation for offshore wind energy capacity? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, you rightly mentioned um, green is in our DNA. So, Airtricity was founded in 1997 and bought by SSE in 2008. And Airtricity co-developed Ireland's first offshore wind farm with GE, the Arklow Bank Wind Park. Uh, the SSE Renewables team is ready to develop the second phase of that. And obviously, we're going through the process there. Offshore wind is one of Ireland's most exciting untapped resources, and it is crucial to reaching Ireland's goal of 70% of renewable energy by 2030. It is an ambitious target, um, and, and we do need to see the right policies in place to make this happen. But, uh, you know, if you look at the Climate Action Act and the key targets there, you know, 51% emissions reduction by 2030, net zero by 2050, renewables and offshore wind in particular are fundamental to delivering that. So I think it's important to keep up the momentum and not see ambitious um, targets slip. And there really is huge opportunity for Ireland to lead the way when it comes to renewables. I think it's also just getting back onto the prices thing. We we probably need to mention to our listeners, Claire, is that essentially the grid remains in the ownership of what used to be the ESB Group, as you as you point out. They're now called Air Grid, but it is a state-owned piece of infrastructure. So all the private energy companies like yourselves and there are many others we won't mention um i'll give them the free extra publicity but you know they are all working off a grid operated by somebody else it is a low margin business um could retail energy supply so so do you think i see in britain so many of the the smaller companies going out of business at the moment can you give our listeners some idea of just how tough and difficult it is right now for energy companies themselves to stay afloat we have seen insolvencies and closures in Britain, as I said, in a big way, like unprecedented in many decades. Uh, and the government has had to get involved there. Can you just give us an idea? You've obviously had to announce a few price increases yourselves. Can you just give us a kind of a, a pen portrait of, of what the market is like at the moment for, for individual companies? As I mentioned earlier, wholesale prices are impacting at a global scale. And we're seeing that right across the world, really, not just in Ireland and that, you know, that's linked to gas storage levels. It, you know, it's linked to the pandemic and reopening after lockdown, increased demand. And I think what, what, what we're really trying to do in SSE or Tristy is to focus on what we can do to support customers, which I'll touch off. And I know that's something that we want to cover. I, I mentioned as well that competition is key when we're looking at energy affordability. If you look at GB and what happened there, so obviously there, there was a price cap put in the UK and it hasn't had very much success and actually, in fact, has played a part in a number of suppliers going out of business, which has negative impacts for customers. And it's not really what we would want to see happen in any market. Ireland has a robust market with healthy competition. And while there are challenges posed by the current situation, we have avoided a scenario similar to Britain. And I think it's really about making sure we've got healthy competition. If I touched off what, you know, um, what we're doing to support customers, we have a customer care team who are there to, you know, to support you and to have a conversation, no matter what your challenges are. And then the next thing I would say is that there are a number of measures that you can take yourself to really take control over your energy usage or to really drive energy efficiency. So we have a longstanding commitment to working with our customers. And one of the first things that I would advise is to check what your current energy plan is. Really challenge, you know, are you getting all of the discounts available to you, like going paperless with e-billing and direct debit. We have payment arrangements and budget plans, which allow customers to spread costs over a longer period of time. And our teams are happy to work with customers on that. 
Also, we're happy to talk about ways to reduce your energy consumption and to provide energy saving tips and tricks. I would also always recommend getting an energy audit. So this is something simple that we can help you with where you can get an audit of your property and really understand what options are available to you. And it doesn't have to be, you know, any big, big kind of investment. It can be about getting the basics right. So that's something I would definitely, you know, um, advise customers to do. And last year, SSE or Tristy launched a customer support fund, which involved us contacting thousands of customers who have been finding it difficult to pay for their energy costs to help them reduce their energy debt and build a plan around that. So there's lots more that we're working on and that we will continue to do for our customers. Now, you mentioned an energy audit. I think I, do, I love that idea. I'd like to get one myself. Uh, is that something the customer sets up themselves or they do it through their supplier? Or what's what's the position there? Yeah, so customers can get in touch with their supplier, with us in SSE or Tristy, and we will help them to take the next step. But it's definitely something with all these things, you know, I think if you can understand what options you have, then obviously you can try and make some steps towards that. So it doesn't have to be anything big, you know, like sometimes it can feel very daunting, but actually it can be about making small changes ultimately. I think one of the things that might help, and it's it's been so many years, we're all, all tearing our hair collectively on this one, is, is smart metering so that householders can get a better idea of what devices are contributing or is there a particular time, as you've mentioned, in the day that's, that's sort of seeing energy costs piling up, not spreading it out into the nighttime rate, etc. So we definitely need more technology, don't we, as a population to allow us to know what consumption we have? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with smart meters coming and, you know, I think the big thing around that is giving customers the data so that they can understand actually when is a better time for me to be using my appliances or even, uh, you know, switching to LED bulbs can help cut costs dramatically as well, in particular for businesses. And, you know, you're hearing more and more customers looking at electric vehicles. What does that mean? How can they export their energy back, you know, onto the grid and save? So there's a huge amount of options there. Um, and I think there are more to come. I think the big thing is about being clear and, you know, communicating very, very clearly to our customers so, so that they know what options are there. Definitely, there are things that you can do, though, to reduce costs. And Claire, I suppose I should ask you, the CSO at least, and, and, and uh, you know, I've certainly trusted them, they, they reckon that energy prices have increased by 25% on average. Obviously, there's different customer cohorts and so on, but on average versus this time last year. And I don't want to ask you this question. I'm sure my, our listeners won't want to necessarily hear the answer, but what, what, what do you think is going to happen in the next, say, six to nine months? I mean, what, what are we looking at? I mean, I, and, and I'm just asking you to be as honest and frank as you can, because I know you're not necessarily going to be imparting necessarily positive news, but what, what's your own sort of outlook on, on where the energy market is heading from a pricing point of view over the next period? We've spoken about the amount of volatility that we've seen in the market. And even over the Christmas period, we've seen a huge amount of volatility and are continuing to see that. And Unfortunately, that's something that we're seeing at the moment. I don't know if that's going to continue. Um, I think we would all hope that eventually prices will drop. But at the moment, that volatility really is, con is continuing. And it is clear that wholesale energy costs have a direct impact on everyone in the energy industry, from customers to, you know, to suppliers right across the piece. From our perspective, um, you know, we're doing everything that we can to keep prices down as much as we can. We have a longstanding commitment to working with our customers, you know, as I've mentioned, if they are finding it tough or need help. I think ultimately it's about protecting the interests of energy customers and promoting competition, as I've mentioned, and make sure that we have long-term solutions like renewable energy to address security of supply concerns. That's a really, really fundamental thing. And all of it just 
really reinforces the importance of the climate action plan and those targets that we have set to, to 2030 and beyond. Yeah, I've, I've heard um, one economist opining that we won't see necessarily big increases in energy in the year ahead, but unfortunately we won't see them going back down to their 2021 pattern they'll sort of go up and hold and plateau at that level. So I don't know whether you, depending on whether you're a glass half full or half empty person, um, that what, what do you think of that prediction that we will sort of stay at these more elevated levels and just kind of stay there? When you think about the factors that are going into this, whether it's storage levels, interconnectors, demand or consumption patterns, et cetera, lockdowns, not lockdowns, there are a huge amount of factors that come into play here. So the reality is that nobody has a very, very clear picture. What we would like to see is that um, ultimately things stabilise and hopefully in time, you know, prices will drop. There are so many factors going into that that, that it's very hard to tell, at, you know, at this stage. Okay, well, we'll see how that one goes. Is, is there anything in particular you can say to us, Claire, about the, the bigger issue of security of supply? So the, the cost of energy is one thing, but we had some dire warnings, which so far, I have to say, haven't come true, that we could be facing supply interruption in Ireland. And there was um, various amber alerts and brown alerts. They come in all sorts of colours at at the lower levels. But we haven't seen anything. I'm sure there's some management of the demand. And I know there's obviously the household sector and then there's the business sector. So often the the grid people balance those two out at particular peak points and so on. But so far, the worst of the predictions hasn't come true. Um, Obviously, your company can play a big part because you're generating wind energy locally here at the Irish market, whether it's onshore or offshore. I mean, what can we do? And I'm not going to ask you to get into this whole data center debate, which some people are pointing to as well as, as a big detraction as well, that they're taking up a, a big portion of the supply as well. But what do you think in terms of security of supply? Let's leave the, the pricing thing aside for a moment. What, what can we do? Is it just simply about getting more power into the capacity, get more stations in, get more renewables onto the grid? Is it just kind of a catch-up thing that we'll eventually get more capacity? It takes a while. Or what's your kind of view on that at this stage? If we look at the bigger picture here, and ultimately what will help to address this concern, and you know, and the security supply and issues that that we've seen mentioned, you know, considerably over the last year in particular, really bringing additional sources of generation, in particular renewable energy, which is obviously cleaner and more efficient and cost-effective. So things like, um, you know, phase two of Arclow, Wind Park, other things that SSC Electricity and that SSC Renewables can do, we really need to see traction there. And SSC is committed to working with the government and other stakeholders in delivering that. So I think the first point is that when we look at security of supply, offshore wind, other renewable energy can really, really help that. And it's about making the transition to that quicker. So it's the pace of that transition that we need to see happening quicker. In the shorter term, you will have seen that you know suppliers and all of the stakeholders in the energy industry are working together to find interim solutions to make sure that we protect the customer's interest, really. Whether that is additional capacity, whether it's storage, there are a lot of solutions there. And really, it's about working together you know, as an industry, which I am seeing and which will continue as we progress. Now, you're talking about the pace of transition needs to move quicker is there particular regulatory blockages or government policy problems that are slowing it down, in your opinion? Or, or, or is there things that you'd like to see happen that could bring that capacity in a bit quicker? Or is it just it takes X amount of time to build a wind farm on or offshore, no matter what the government environment is like? There's not a, or is it the planning system, 
Is there something there that, that could make a difference to how quickly we can bring things on, on stream? Yeah, I mean, we can't let issues like planning or things like that hold up what are vital national projects. And there is an urgency in terms of getting this right. Um, you know, as you said, these are really, really important projects and they do take time. Um, but I mean, if you take as an example, um, other areas like home retrofit, it's really great to see the ambition around home retrofit targets and recent supports announced for domestic homes are really, really welcome. So it's about seeing supportive policy, such as increased supports for businesses to make the necessary changes. And I think we are seeing that in the renewable side of things as well. You know, it is about focusing on the longer term and making sure that we move through the, the different stages as quickly and effectively as possible. I mean, how long would it take for, and I know there's no such thing as a typical wind farm project, but if you were to build one from scratch and right to completion, I mean, what are you talking, how many years would it take, do you think? Like, I'm just going to get an idea for our listeners what, what we're talking about here. If you look at our clothes, we were previously targeting completion in 2025. You know, it depends on, you know, the individual projects and so on. So, you know, you could be talking five years, you could be talking longer. Um, certainly from an SC Renewables point of view, you know, the team are really um, eager and ready to move forward with that. So, so we're working on that at the moment. Well, I think it's uh, based on the five years you've quoted there, Claire. I think that energy audit in the meantime would be money well spent. And uh, get a look at your own consumption, I think, because um, get it, getting capacity is coming, but it ain't necessarily coming quickly. And, and that's a whole range of different companies that are involved. Fascinating time to be in the industry. Um, definitely going to watch out this year. I think it's going to be all about energy. I think we'll all become, we're going to move from being experts in bondholders to being experts in virology to being energy experts. This is my, my big prediction for the year ahead. Thanks very much for the conversation, Claire. It's been an interesting few years. Good luck to everyone, you and your colleagues, for the year ahead. That's Claire Neenan, who is the Managing Director of SSE Air Thanks for coming on Business Impact today. Thanks, Emmett. Thank you.